Yo, 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 and welcome back to the Banter Boys Podcast. My name is Sanji, with me is John. How are you doing, boy? This doesn't get old. <laughs> How are you doing, baby? Oh, I thought I was ready for it. You caught me on a great day at a great time, because you know what's going on right now? Halftime of Aston Villa Lazio preseason game. Oh, man, it's it's perfect as well because I'm at the point of my draft where I'm considering an Aston Villa asset. Oh, damn. You know what, though? We should have done the fan introduction segment. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's do that. Let's do that. No worries. Um, all right. Tell us your name, your Twitter handle, the club that you're obviously representing, where you're from, and a little bit about what you do. Yeah, my name is John. Ray. My Twitter handle is at my name is John. Got to keep the brand consistent. Uh, I support Villa. Uh, that's Aston Villa. And uh, I've been a supporter for a long time now. Got to go to the last game of the season this year against uh, Brighton, which was incredible. One of the best uh, live music concerts I've been to in my life. And uh, I work as a data analyst for an online pharmacy in Oslo. But when I'm not doing that, I am a wine consultant. So mixed bag over here. I love that the notes that you made are in like claret and blue. Oh, yeah. Had to do it. Had to step it up a notch (laughs) this year, baby. Wait, so you said you went for the last game of the season? Yeah. So wasn't that the game that confirmed uh europe conference league yeah it was absolutely unbelievable the vibe in the stadium i mean so brighton had already gotten europa so their fans were like on their big day out from the (laughs) south coast with all the beach balls and stuff but um when the whistle blew at the 90th minute they went straight into hi-ho aston villa and it was like Literally 40,000 plus people doing karaoke, and it was just so <laughs> unreal. Oh, that sounds amazing, man. Damn. I mean, I mean, congrats. Like, you guys fully deserved it. Like, I mean, we're going to get it, right? You guys had a very exciting season to follow, to say the least. So, listeners, welcome back to another Inside Track series. Um, Basically, the series that we're doing is we're interviewing uh, 20 managers, well, fan tracks managers uh, from our community. Um, and we're just going to get their insight, right, on the club that they support, their experience as a fan tracks manager, and uh, take their advice for the upcoming 23-24 season. And the general template or breakdown for these episodes is that we have a bit of a general discussion. We talk about any change of manager or ownership. Uh, previous season performance versus new season's expectations, old system versus new system, basically the impact of transfers, uh, expected formation and starting 11, impact of AFCON slash Asian Cup, and obviously we're going to talk fan tracks. Uh, we're going to get John's first pick from Villa, next three picks, at least one hidden gem, and then we're going to pick his brain as a fan tracks manager. He's been playing this game for a while, since the target days, I believe. So. Oh, yeah. We're yeah. Listen, he's an OG, right? Um, so we're gonna find out, you know, how um he kind of handles trades, uh, maybe budgets his fab, and just lessons learned um over his career. So yeah, let's get started. Uh, so before I, I let you get into the whole manager stuff, I'm gonna maybe catch uh listeners up to speed or remind them of uh you know kind of summarize what happened last season. So sure. Stevie G started the season. Um, only lasted, I think, 12 game weeks, uh, got fired, left the club in 15th position, which is unfortunate, right? Because his first season there, he had, a, I, I guess, a decent performance, uh, 37% win rate. But then what kind of got him fired was the 18% win rate, right? Um, yeah, I, th- I feel like he just didn't know what was going on. And then... Enter Unai Emery, um, a manager with a lot of experience. Uh, he's won the Europa League several times, I want to say. Uh, 
Yeah, and uh, what a way to start his time at Villa with a home win versus Manchester United. Um, I mean, I mean, between the time that uh, Gerard and uh, Emery started, like I think it was like three, three or four game weeks or something like that. So the club was slightly on the rise, and I think it was like more so that Gerard leaving they had a bounce. But Emery started at twelfth and ended up in a glorious seventh. So yeah, Europe, baby. I mean, what could go wrong, right? Um, and it, it's. It's not surprising that he did so well um, because during his time at uh, Villarreal, I think he had between a 39 to 45% win ratio. And then in his short time at Villa, I think 26 games, 58% win ratio. Now, that's not sustainable, but uh, I'm not going to be surprised if you guys end up with the next you know, top 10 finish. But you know what? They're not here to listen to me. They're here to listen to you, John. So why don't you give us your version of what it was like to be a fan under two different managers last season? Well, let me just give you a little taste because you talked about this sort of purgatory period when Aaron Danks was managing us. And I think in the second or third game in that window, we go to St. James Park and play against a high-pressing Newcastle team. And they just roll us 4 0. Yeah. Uh, and the confidence of the players at that point seemed to be at an all time low. Now, in comes Emery, and I think the Newcastle game at home sort of epitomizes the turnaround because now we have techniques to bait the press, to play out through the pressure. And it was a pretty convincing 3 0 win at home. So basically, turning over the most lopsided result of the season to that point it, it was really um a great performance but i think like sort of epitomized the different ways that we're able to solve problems now with emory it's not to say that there's not new problems the high press is susceptible to pacey players and there's a lot of them in the premier league um and i think uh we could see teams adapting to us but Having solutions to the way that teams want to play makes us no longer a reactive team. And we're a team that's trying to control the play. And uh, I haven't seen us try and control the play ever. Because <laughs> uh, Martin O'Neill was a uh, counterattacking manager. And he was a really great counterattacking manager. But we've never dominated possession or looked to play out from the back in any meaningful way under any manager before. So it took the fans a while to get used to, but now you're seeing that we are doing what the best teams in the world are doing, baiting teams in, getting the ball to a pivot player, which we'll talk about later, and then spraying the ball out to forwards to attack in space, which is just really cool to see. It's cool to see someone who's not behind the times, but is actually evolving also as a manager. And just briefly about Gerard, we don't need to belabor the point. We might talk about it a little later, but... Um, the assistant manager, manager turnover in the summer last season, I talked about it last year on this pod as potentially an issue going into the season, and it proved to be a way bigger issue than we would have ever predicted. Michael Beal went to QPR to become their manager, and uh, Neil Critchley, who stepped in for him, didn't have a lot of time to imprint his tactics, and we just looked adrift, and Gerard started telling people to do moments of magic yeah. And uh, basically dropped all of our good players, which is uh, not usually a great thing to do as a manager. So. Yeah, I feel like he just lost the plot. I don't know. Yeah. It was weird. Like, he was just starting players you wouldn't expect, benching players you wanted to start. Like, I don't know, man. It, and then, I, I don't know if you saw it. Like, okay, so he's, like, obviously in Saudi. He's a coach and stuff. Did you see yeah. that clip that was going around on, like, Twitter? Yeah, he's, like, trying to tell him, if you want the ball, call for it, call for it. It's just, like, I don't know, man. Like, I feel like nothing has changed. So, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I obviously wish him the best. Like, he was a fantastic footballer. But maybe it's just, like, Frank Lampard, right? Um, yeah. Sometimes not all great players can be great coaches, right? Well, and he's like a vibesman, and I think he needs the right <laughs> yeah. backroom staff plus a positive vibe at the club. So when the backroom staff left and we replaced them, and then results started to turn, he started blaming the players that got him to this position yeah. of um, yeah. of having a good squad in the first place, which is sort of the opposite of the Emery approach. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Emery's a winner, man. Um, I mean, like, I want to say that 
him losing his job at Arsenal was a little bit harsh, but maybe being at I don't want to say bigger club and start club rivalries and stuff like that, but like a top four club, right? Mm. Um, you guys aren't there yet and haven't been maybe in the past few seasons, but I think being like in that sort of region of the table, maybe the expectations were higher because I thought they still played good football. They performed well enough. And I, I think, yeah, you, you guys are blessed to, to have Emery and yeah. long may it continue, you know? I mean, how many times have Arsenal made a European final? Fair. I think one other time against Barcelona, right? Well, I mean, if you count, well, Barcelona and then they played us in the Europa League final, right? Chelsea. And they lost 4-1. But that was with Emery. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> that was my that was my point. He didn't get the win, but he did get them there. So yeah. uh, there's yeah. only Wenger can say that out of all the other managers. So Yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, so, I mean, looking forward at like next season then, what are you expecting? You're expecting a trophy? You think you are you uh, dreaming that far? So all of our fans are expecting a trophy, but it feels insulting to the competitions that we're participating in to expect a trophy. Everyone's expecting the English team that's in the Conference League to just win it every year now because <laughs> West Ham won it. But West Ham had a bunch of tight games against good opposition. Yeah. And they just kept getting it done at the final breath. I think Declan Rice was absolutely unreal in that competition. Yeah. But just to expect that because we're in it, we're going to win it, uh, we need to take it seriously. And um, what's encouraging is that we are looking like having some more squad depth this year in terms of championship and younger players coming back into the fold that should help us with the early rounds in that competition if we get through the playoffs. But again, I think um, it would be great to get a trophy. And I think that's the stated ambition of the club, whether it's this season or next season. We want to get contending for things and we want to get back in the Champions League places. That's what Emery said like two days ago in an interview. So um, that's going to be the expectation. Is it realistic? Uh, I would maybe put the betting odds at like 15 or 20% for this season to actually win a trophy. Yeah, because most of that's going to be the conference, or we get in with a cheeky shout and Carabao Cup or or FA Cup. But we do have the platform now to be competing for these things, and that's where we want to be. All right, I, I love to hear that, man. And, and listen, last time we chatted a year ago. I told you you were undefeated in preseason. You're still undefeated in preseason. I don't know what the halftime score is right now. With one Lanza. nil to the Villa. Oh, uh, see, there you go, man. Like, uh, something's. I also told it. you to not say, not talk about preseason results with me. And then we <laughs> yeah, came you did. in, and I knew we were going to lose to Bournemouth because the vibes are off, and we lost to Bournemouth, and I was just like, oh god. Oh, <laughs> all right, all right. Let, let, let's talk about some transfers, man. I, I want to take it back all the way to uh, the ins from last summer. Let's go, um, baby. So, uh, we we, we got to dissect this a little bit, right? Um, there was a lot of high hopes on Coutinho, but it, from what I remember, I think you were higher on Buendia than Coutinho at that time, right? And, I mean, I guess you called it right, because... <laughs> I like I can't take credit for that because Buendia was like a six point per game guy last season or something and uh and uh Coutinho, I mean, Coutinho was, like was a, a zero point, point per, per game. game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But um uh, yeah, he Buendia is a better player than Coutinho at this point in their careers, I think. So um that was my idea at least. <laughs> yeah. Uh Bubakar Kamara, um I think he would have had a bigger impact had he not had such an injury-riddled season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he still got, like, 20-plus starts in. Obviously not the 38 that you want, but I really like him as a player. And I think Gerard probably doesn't get sacked if he doesn't get injured against Southampton because his ability to control a game, he saved us so many times this season, saved us against Brighton, made a last-ditch tackle. Um, he's not really a fantasy-relevant player, but he is so important for the way that Emery wants to play. 
Yeah, I mean, speaking of injuries, another uh, player that might not have helped Steven Gerrard's case was losing Diego Carlos so early yeah. in the season. Um, I feel like you... Well, I mean, I guess Gerrard could have used it at that point in time. Um, but what what's the expectation now for him as a fan tracks asset? Because with Paul Torres coming in, listen, we know Paul Torres is class. We've seen him play for Spain. Um, and I'm sure like that's an Emery signing, right? Emery got his yep. guy, etc. So... What should we be doing about Diego Carlos? Yeah, well, this sort of gets a little bit into the formation talk, but I think people should begin to start expecting three center backs much more often than uh, they were used last season, which was, I think, maybe in like half a game or something. Um, this preseason, Emery's been uh, setting up with... Uh, four at the back with one traditional fullback and one sort of progressive center back. And uh, I think there's going to be more than enough minutes for all of these guys. I mean, Callum Chambers has been playing some of the right back minutes. Uh, So Carlos is going to be playing. I think there's going to be rotation, whether it's in conference, if we get through the playoffs in cups or if it's in uh, the premier league, I'm not sure how that's going to shake out quite yet but um he has all the talent to get there it's just about getting that fitness and sharpness back because this achilles injury is a career ruiner you know it's one of the last ones that's actually pretty bad in terms of sapping your athleticism and stuff and i know he's been working like a beast in the gym they uh posted so much content of him in the gym for like the six to eight months that he was out but uh it takes a while to get back so yeah, I mean, or next time he plays, he just needs to score a screamer like Conser, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Walk through the midfield like prime Alan Hutton. Oh, all right. Um, in terms of the other names, I don't think they're really worth talking about. Like you know, Robin Olsen, Ludwig Augustinsson, Leander Donker, Jan Bednarek. I I feel like we could probably move on unless uh, I'm mistaken. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's look at January then. Um, in terms of like the outs, uh, Danny Ings left um, and Marvelous Nakamba. Uh, let's pick one. Sure. I mean, Danny Ings is probably more fan tracks relevant, so let's take him. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he can score goals, but he sucks at ghost points. Um, he's yeah. at West Ham now. So. Yeah. And he wasn't very good for West Ham, and he was sort of cooked. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so he's more relevant than Marvelous Nakamba, who's sort of relevant for uh, normal fantasy Premier League because he's a four point five midfielder that's going to play for Luton Town. Yeah, but all that he provides is tackles. He's not an offensive player in any way. So you're sort of looking at like budget Conte, who, depending on your league settings, uh, is not viable in the first place. Um, okay. So that's what I'd expect with him. Maybe he's more relevant than Danny Ings. Maybe you're right. Now that I'm talking myself into it. But, um, yeah. He's probably more nailed than Ings, right? Yeah, because of that kid coming in for West Ham and then... Uh, oh, Divin. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah, 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 he just looks nasty. Yeah, man. I, I watched him in a cup game. Uh, kid just bullied the other kids. Like, it, it wasn't even fair. Um, <laughs> anyways, let's talk about the Ings. Uh... Alex Moreno. Uh, this one's really interesting because he replaced Luca Dina, and I mean, we were all like on in high spirits about Luca Dina because we know his quality, we know his potential. Like, you're spoiled for options in that position, but I feel like Emery just prefers Moreno. Yeah. So I didn't understand why until I saw Alex Moreno play, but for the style that Emery wants, he wants the fullbacks and the wide players to provide threat in possession, not just through crossing, but through taking a man on or through playing the ball between the lines. That's not especially Dinier's strong suit. He's more of a dead ball player or a wide crosser. Uh, But Emery wants someone who's providing a little bit more threat. And you're going to have me speaking in Spanish here because Alex Moreno was absolutely filthy (laughs) Uh, after we brought him in. He was taking people on, just absolutely skinning them before he got a pretty bad hamstring injury. Now he's going to miss the beginning of the season, so I think we're going to be looking at 
Maddie Cash for at least the first four games and sort of go asymmetric on the other side. Mm. But um, I think he's pretty nailed on in the team when he gets back in terms of week in, week out. So, like, then what's happening with Luca Dini? Are you guys going to sell him? Is he left? Per 15 minutes ago, he was playing in this... Oh, per now, he's playing in this preseason game. <laughs> but uh, also, per 15 minutes ago, he's going to Saudi, baby. Oh. So hopefully we get a big transfer fee, you know, okay. get All a right. little financial fair play money laundering, and everybody's <laughs> happy. What, did Fabrizio give us the hair we go? No, this guy who's like Villa pretty official, Tom Colomos, said that the Saudi club's pushing for Digne, so... Okay. We can recoup the transfer fee there. Yeah, I think everybody wins. He's out of favor with the manager. And um, it looks like we're basically just going to be carrying two fullbacks this season because we're only going to need one of them. We've been linked to Tyler Adams, uh, who Chelsea have also been linked to, as sort of that possession fullback on the right-hand side. So that could be an interesting option, too. Okay. Wow. I mean, time stamping. Thizzy... Uh, Thursday, August the 3rd, right? So if the <laughs> Dini move doesn't happen, it happens. Like, just so you know, we're not on shit. Um, yeah. <laughs> another guy. It's all that my wanna... fault. <laughs> exactly. <me>. Exactly. <laughs> um, so another name that came in in January, uh, Bertrand Traore. Um, I was kind of happy to see him back in the league. Uh, I, did he score like one goal, though? And scored a I couple don't goals, and he scored Villa's yeah. goal of the season against Leicester, which yeah. was the match winner, and like completely sort of propelled our charge to Europe. So uh, you won't get me to say anything bad about him, but he shouldn't be playing in a team <laughs> that, that has the ambitions I mean, that I mean, we do. And I think we're going to yeah, try I mean, and find a solution for him. Yeah. The thing is, though, like, Fan tracks wise, uh, ghost points were very absent. Uh, he seemed yeah. very return dependent. So that's my only concern about if he plays, if he starts, sort of thing. Like, you might yeah. have to take a punt and hope that you're just, you know, really lucky. And I mean, if he yeah. scores for you, then go buy a lottery ticket the next And maybe season. we'll talk about this a little later, but I'm a little concerned with Emery's setup in terms of providing sort of these ghost points for every forward option that some teams like a Fulham might get because of the way that they play. Or like Dean Smith under Villa got, where it was like Anwar El Ghazi was suddenly an 11-point-per-game player yeah. when he was in the team. <laughs> uh, the way that Emery wants to play, uh, there's one position that I'm really focused on that we'll talk about later. It's my little tease right. to keep you All guys right. listening. Uh, yeah, yeah, but other than it that, it's sort of not great for ghost points because it's more compartmentalized. Okay, okay. Well then, I mean, let's quickly move on to this summer, right? Um, yep. In terms of outs, I wouldn't say anything too significant. Ashley Young left, yeah. I mean, Wesley left. I know you had a soft spot for oh. Wesley, right? Staying in England, playing for Stoke. He's back in the big time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you do it on a rainy, rainy cold Wednesday night in Stoke? Yes, he is you perfect can. for Stoke. And here's a little <laughs> Wesley trivia fact. He actually got sent off in a friendly for headbutting and then punching a Stoke player. And Stoke saw that and was like, this is Stoke enough that we have to sign him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Uh, let's talk about the ins. Um I love your ins, man. So attractive. Uh, let's start with Paul Torres um, oh. coming in from Villarreal. Uh, what are you expecting from him, both uh, IRL and fan tracks wise? Yeah. So it is so hard to do these center backs because, like, what is a kanji worth for Manchester City? Like, that's sort of what I'm expecting. Fan tracks wise from Pau yeah. Torres, but with yeah. a little bit more progressive passing. Um, so it depends on your scoring format, right? So yeah. if it's default, you're probably streaming Pau. Yeah, because look, he's an unreal real life player. He takes attacking players out of the game, gets yeah. behind them with the ball at his feet, and then sprays forward passes. It takes like a line of attack out of the game, basically. But the issue with fantasy is that then he's passing to a midfielder. He's not really playing key passes. It's not like he's stepping yeah. out like David Raya and uh, 
passing the ball to Mbwoma. Wow, John McGinn just scored an absolute banger, by the way. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> woo! Um, yeah, Live so, commentary, y'all. <laughs> whether it's... Uh, so, he's going to be stepping in between those lines, but I don't think he's going to re- really be getting those shot-creating actions or, or enough take-ons to be truly fantasy-relevant. And he's not a great player in the air, which, as we know, for center backs is sort of the cheat code. The Duffy equilibrium, he is quite low on. Um, so, another big name, Yuri Tillemans, oh. coming in from Leicester. Oh. Another player of class. Uh, oh. I remember his winner against Chelsea in the FA Cup oh. as well. <laughs> Let me, this guy oozes class. Yeah, he's you so don't know player. it until he's playing for your team, but it's just like every touch is just, it's just sexy. Yeah, it's so good, man. <laughs> His ball striking, he hit a ball off the post earlier in this friendly. I was just like, it's the best struck ball by a Villa player <laughs> in maybe five years. Since John McGinn's volley in the championship. Oh, that's too good. That's too good. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like he's... I mean, he went in my draft like an hour or so ago. So okay. it, it, it won't surprise me like if he, if he gets points. I mean... Like you said, maybe he gets some key passes here and there. Like, yeah, it is so tough with him in fan tracks this year because, like, what is the role? Are we going to be playing four in midfield with McGinn, Tielemans, Kamara, and Douglas Luiz? I don't think so. It's not quite dynamic enough. So I think one of those guys is going to be missing out every week. The plan is to be playing two games a week the entire season. Okay. So they're pretty fluid in terms of role. Douglas Luiz is a little bit harder in the middle, and I think that's going to keep him in the team. But the class level on Tielemans, if yeah. he gets the shirt, he could well keep it because, I mean, he, he's been stepping out of midfield this game and just walking with the ball like Levi Colwell out of defense. It's yeah. a pretty good team in Lazio. And yeah. just that tempo dictation is so valuable. He's... I I don't understand how no one else was in for him. I guess it was just that video of him bobbing his head up and down, getting back, <laughs> poisoned the waters. But the technique on this guy is unbelievable. He's class, man. He's a class player, honestly. Um, okay, let's get to the one that I think most people want to hear yeah. about. Uh, hot topic right now, Musa Diaby. Um, yeah, tell me about this guy because I'm I'm gonna come into this conversation like I know nothing. Like yep. I'm I'm a cricket fan. Tell me about football. Tell me about Musa Diaby. <laughs> sure. So um, Musa Diaby from Leverkusen, Leon Bailey's teammate, who everyone that was like a stats guy or in the know said we should have been signing instead of Leon Bailey. Just like pay the ten million more. He was happy to stay at Leverkusen, keep developing. And now, already through just a couple of preseason games that we've seen him, seen him in, the intelligence, the ability to sort of, you know, not to be too uh, annoying, but to interrogate the space, as they say in Germany, uh, <laughs> is absolutely uh, top class and provides a little something different, playing off Watkins, dropping into pockets, dragging defenders in, running beyond. And Watkins and him are already linking up pretty nicely with the midfield players, supplying them to, balancing out their runs. Him going a little wider, I think he's a nailed-on starter uh, from what we've seen. Uh, And the only concern is this ghost point thing. Because even in the preseason, it's Emery's using the strikers or forward players as sort of compartmentalized players that stay forward and stretch the pitch. And then once the ball's getting up the pitch, they're getting into dangerous areas to receive it on the end of a shot-creating action, not necessarily create the shot-creating action themselves. Maybe they'll lay it off to someone, but in terms of the per-game shot-creating actions, I don't know if we're going to be looking at an elite player here. And then you're sort of relying on output. I think he could be easily comparable to Jared Bowen from last season. Okay. Okay. So not quite elite, but cutting in from the left, same style of player, getting a couple take-ons, getting a couple shots on target per game, but really sort of lacking that elite time on ball that would take him to that next level. 
Okay. So it, it sounds like the values in the midfield then for you guys. Yeah. So I don't I don't want to spoil my case uh, <laughs> later, but there's I really think there's two players that have a ton of value and um, they're the players that push forward into these attacking midfield roles when the DM gets the ball and looks to spray. And depending on where it is on the field, that's either from last season, Douglas Louise or John McGinn. And the point per game stats for both of them, when McGinn was playing right mid under Emery, and when Louise was playing center mid, the progressive center mid under Emery are absolutely insane. Okay. That's my little. We'll talk about it a little later. Oh, but it, all it, these teasers. <laughs> it is. It's malpractice to not take them at the rounds that they're going in. Okay. Wow. I think both are available, so I'm very excited for this. I might. I might make a pick. Take on Douglas the Louise. Take Douglas Louise right now. <laughs> Under that, like, I mean, I still, I still want to hear, I, I still want to hear the case for everyone because I think McGinn, Douglas Luiz, and Buente are all available for me right now. Douglas so. Luiz scored eleven points per game in my Fantrax league from November on. Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I think now is a great time to talk about expected formation starting eleven. If the season starts tomorrow, what, like, who you think Emery's rolling out? Yeah, so I'll, I'll put my head on the line again because I got it pretty much spot on last year. Even called the kooky Gerard Danny Ings rotation for no reason. Um, I think it's going to be Emmy Martinez in goal, Paolo Torres at left center back, left back, Tyrone Mings at center back, Ezri Kansa at right center back, and Maddie Cash at right back. Then I think in midfield, it's going to be Bubakar, Kamara, and Douglas Louise in that pivot. And Emmy Buendia at sort of uh, right or left midfield and John McGinn at right midfield. And then Ali Watkins and Musa Giabi up top. Okay, so it, it's sounding like a, what, a 4 2 2 2? Yeah, if you. So in. Um, in possession, I think it's going to be more of a 3-5-2, <laughs> okay. if you uh, want to call it that. But out of possession, I think it's yeah 4 4 2 classic. That's what Emery's showed the entire time. That's the out-of-possession out of system that he likes. Okay, so, I mean, if you're, if you're in possession, like, uh, back three, um, who are the two wingbacks, uh, you'd say? So, I think Maddie Cash would be one of them. And then uh, you basically have one of those midfielders coming into the middle to make the pivot and the third one pushing forward to sort of be the 10 role player. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um, all right. Uh, quickly on AFCON Asian Cup. Uh, are you guys going to be missing anyone or you think you'll be fine? We will be horribly, horribly missing Bertrand Traore. Ugh. R.I.P. Come back. Um, yeah. All right. Everything's fine then. Um, all right. Let's move on to... Uh, I mean, do you want to touch on anything else? Is there any club hierarchy stuff we need to know about? Or shall we move on to the next segment? Um, I mean, the only club hierarchy thing that's maybe interesting to people is that we brought in Monchi over the summer, who's like the sporting director from Sevilla's Europa League successes and had a lot of success with player trading at Sevilla. Less successful at Roma, but basically he has a pretty good eye for talent historically. So uh, he and Emery are going to be working together. I mean, based on that window, I fully believe you. Mm. All right, let's uh, talk about some fan tracks. That's what everyone is let's tuning go, in for. Um, all right, John, talk to us. Uh, first pick, who you got? Yeah, well, the question here is, am I going to look stupid again? and not pick <laughs> Ollie Watkins? And the answer is, no, I will not. And it's not so much with an abundance of love for Ollie Watkins as a fan tracks player, but what I really missed out in not picking him as my 1A choice last season is the consistency that he provides. He's scored 10 goals in every single Premier League season through hot patches and cold patches. And he reliably gets enough ghost points to be relevant. 
Although under Emery, even though he had this super long, hot run, we sort of saw those ghost points dry up because, as I was saying, he's playing these players a little bit more compartmentalized. And I think we might be sort of getting sort of average Jamie Vardy seasons out of Watkins, which is still like late first, mid-second type of player. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. Uh, Next three? Yeah, so... I think you have to go with the upside of Musa Jabi. Um, I'm very tempted to just go Douglas Louise here already, but, you know, I brought up John Moutinho last year. You don't want these guys that are super role-dependent. Um, uh, you don't want them being picked, and then suddenly they're the pivot player. Somebody gets injured, and yeah. uh, their production dries up. Yeah. So um, Jabi is going to be super attacking. He equally contributes with assists and goals throughout his entire time in the yeah. Bundesliga. Lightning yeah. fast, quirks, quick first step. Uh, yeah. Lightning fast, first step. And uh, is really good in small spaces as well as in space with or without the ball. So he has yeah. everything it takes to be a good Fantrax asset. I'm just a little bit worried, like I said, time and time again now about that compartmentalization. Okay, um, okay. But then my next pick, which I've now done teasing, I'm going to give you the whole sandwich here, is <laughs> Doug Louis, Douglas Louise needs to go probably three rounds higher than what he's going. As I mentioned, scored 11 points per game in my home league from November on. Emery's totally unlocked him. He's this player that's pushing forward into the 10 roll and playing that final pass. He's on all right-handed corners and was on a bunch of the right-handed set pieces, scored a free kick against Spurs. Um, he is growing in confidence. He's always been okay with ghost points, but now that he's being licensed to get forward in this role that gets the ball, turns, and then sprays it, I think he could rack up points this season, sort of the Danny Parejo rule. Oof. Oh, my God. Uh, hold on, let me get a tissue and just wipe myself. Um, <laughs> no, so yeah, that that that's that's uh that's the one thing I was like curious about, like who is on set pieces, and I know Douglas Lewis has ability. Listen, this guy scored from a corner, yeah, multiple times, multiple like, times, three <laughs> times like, last season if you include the preseason. Okay, yeah, um, okay, okay. Let's let's talk about your your third pick, and I might throw yeah. another one into into the mix. But yeah, sure. go ahead. Yeah, my third pick is very similar in concept to Douglas Luiz because as I was mentioning, it's this which side the buildup is, the odd man becomes this pivot in sort of a 4-2-2-2, and depending on when it is in the buildup phase. And that's going to be John McGinn in a lot of situations. And uh, in the games that he played right mid, he racked up points last season. Now, there's a bunch of issues in terms of there were injuries in midfield. He came into center mid, and then he was having awful games. So this is even more role-dependent than Luis. But when he has remit to go forward, he receives the ball, ass into the uh, defender, (laughs) turns him, and then plays a key pass forward for someone to take a pot shot. He gets a lot of shots on target. He, he can be a ghost point monster when he has license to get forward. It's just all about the role that he's being played in. So I wouldn't be as eager to take him again, but if you're seeing, you know, uh, players like, uh, Harrison Reed go before him, I would definitely take the upside of McGinn over him. Okay. All right. Yeah. M- McGinn got a booty, man. Um, <laughs> even, even the, like the last two letters of his surname. Looks like a booty. So, um, <laughs> another name I wanted to throw into into the mix is uh, Emmy Bendia. Um, yeah, and I was kind of attracted to him after the three all draw with Newcastle in preseason. Uh, he got two goals and an assist. I don't know if he got anything outside of that, but why isn't he in your three picks? Yeah. So I mean. It's tough because as we've talked about, I like love Buendia. I think he's a great player, but he's also incredibly inconsistent player, not only between games, but also within games. And he has these moments where 
he looks like the best player on the pitch. And then he has these moments where he's really frustrating. And with the compartmentalized role, he's often being asked to take on a player or uh, swing a ball in as opposed to receiving the ball in dangerous spaces. And he's not really getting off as many shots as someone would like. Now, the underlying numbers are more optimistic on Buendia. He was like by far, I think, one of our highest uh, expected assist players, but he just really did not get the assist commensurate to that last season. So the counting stat numbers, I think, should be a little bit better this season if he gets the same amount of playing time. But then you're also looking at him competing with more players for playing time, there being the European schedule, him already being inconsistent. And I think, if anything, there's more uncertainty about Buendia heading into this season than there was last season, where I was pretty confident that he would beat out Coutinho if given the opportunity. Wow. Uh, yeah, man, uh, you've kind of convinced me uh, on Douglas Louise. Uh, in terms of the left-hand side corners, though, who's taking those? So, in the preseason, Musa Jabi's been taking a lot of them, which is another tick oh, okay. uh, on his side yeah, since yeah. he's come into the team. But we have an abundance of players to take left-sided corner. John McGinn took a bunch of yep. them last season. Leon Bailey, yep. when he's on the team, pretty good corner taker. But I think Jabi could be taking a lot of them if uh, the delivery is looking good early in the season and he has confidence there. Because he's very small, so it's not like you're losing anything from uh, an attacking threat in the box. Okay. Um, have, have you started drafting and stuff yet for the season? Our draft is on uh, Sunday. So, okay, so, uh, so you're well prepped in that sense, right? I'm assuming. Pretty yeah. well prepped. I need to do a little bit more work, but I feel like I'm pretty ready to go. I have an interesting strategy this year. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some names and see where you kind of rank Douglas Luiz, right? Sure. Uh, so right now it's the ninth round um, of the draft, second pick for me. Uh, I'm trying to get my fourth midfielder, mid four, right? Yeah. Um, I already got Jensen, Iwobi, and Bruno Fernandez. Um, he should be he should be over Jensen. So, <laughs> what do you mean? He should be over Jensen. He's he had 11 points per game after November. Is in this free roll. Jensen is like what nine eight. Yeah, dude, dude, that's what I'm saying. Like this, this draft is this draft makes no sense at times. Like Rico Henry has gone, and Douglas Louise is still on the wow. Board. Like, okay, <laughs> so I think I think people think that Tielemans is getting his time, but I'm just not so sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, Douglas Louise he's a player of the season last year. He, he's not just going to get dropped, especially yeah. not week one. Yeah, and listen, I trust the eye test as well, right? I mean, numbers are one thing, but coming from the um, the mouth of a fan, like. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that data over any other data. <laughs> like, um, so let me let me call some names: uh, Douglas Luiz or Phil Billing. Oh man, so that's actually a tough one because I really like Phil Billing, and <laughs> he in the system that he's playing second striker for Bournemouth, who have a bunch of pretty good attacking players now. Yeah. I I think I would still take the upside of Phil Billing. Okay. Uh, what about versus, uh, Goodmanson? Oh, wait, wait, over Goodmanson all day. I mean, is Goodmanson even going to play? I assume so. Burnley signing, like, uh... He, he just, like, got, like, double yellow red card for fighting somebody on the pitch. Like, what could be more <laughs> Burnley than that? <laughs> um, okay, what about, uh, Douglas Luiz or Anthony Gordon? I would take Luiz over Gordon all day. I mean, is uh, Gordon, again, is Gordon going to play? Is yeah, Gordon going true. to put up good Rotation. stats when he plays, or is he just going to be a pressing merchant, exactly like he was at Everton, and exactly like he has been so far at Newcastle? Like, you're basically just relying on him to pass it to Isaac, and then Isaac dribble past six people and score. I, I'm not a Gordon believer. Okay, done. Um... Douglas Louise picked. Um, all right, let's move on to Hidden Gem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my Hidden Gem for this season, you know, I try and take Hidden Gem literally. So last season, I think I gave you guys Cameron Archer, who is in the squad full-time this season, stayed with the team until January, but then got shipped out. That was more of an FPL pick. This is also going to be more of an official FPL pick, but also could be fan tracks relevant. And that's uh, Jaden Philogene Bidas, or Bidace, 
it was a, it's a hard name to say, but I know it's Philogene. <laughs> Jaden. Um, we just call yeah, him Jaden. Jaden. Uh, <laughs> he is a winger that was on loan at Cardiff last season okay. and really came alive in the second half of the season, in the business end of the season for Cardiff. They wanted to keep him, um, but so far in the preseason, he started every single game, the, partially because Leon Bailey was late coming back, back from Jamaica camp, partially because Emery wanted to get a look at him, and He's already guaranteed that he's staying with the club this season. Now, if that's more time in Europa than, or in conference than in um, the league, I'm not sure. In cup games, probably. But it's he's one injury, injury away from getting burned, and he is an absolute live wire. The guy, uh, Emery, someone in the backroom staff, a.k.a. Unai Emery, compared him to William from yeah. Arsenal. Okay. And he has that jinky, beat a man, put in a cross game that's yeah, yeah, really yeah. attractive to watch and could be really attractive in fan tracks if he continues to develop. So keep an eye on him. And if he gets that you know, green tick, consider a stream there. I would definitely do it myself. Okay. Wow. Definitely writing that one down. Listeners, I hope you are too. Um, are there any other assets you want to talk about or shall we move into the final segment? I think we should just briefly mention Leon Bailey. Okay, yeah, go for just it. Just in the sense that I wouldn't recommend a pick there. I know that mm. you might be thinking that he can recoup some value, but as we've seen and as we've talked about, these forward players are more compartmentalized under Emery. They're oftentimes receiving the ball with back to goal in these sort of control situations and then being asked to run into the box. It's a, not really Bailey's game, and uh, B, he hasn't really succeeded at it from a fan track's perspective under uh, Emery. His best games of the season were the first ones under Gerrard. I traded him after that in my league, thank God. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I'm not a believer, so I, I wouldn't even take him really at any point in the draft. There's going to be a guy who has more role certainty available, I think. Okay, fair. There's one thing I want to ask you about, though, since we're like still talking about assets and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at your uh, start to the season. Newcastle away, Everton at home, Burnley away, Liverpool away, Crystal Palace at home. Yeah. I feel like... Let, let, let's look at the first three, at least. Um, Newcastle away, Everton at home, Burnley away. I feel like there's two clean sheets in there. Possibly. Given the run of clean sheets that you guys had last season as well. Oh, I don't know. It's going to be... Honestly, for, in my opinion, that's a pretty tough three fixtures. Really? Because, like, Diesel is still injured, right? Bur I yeah. mean, Burnley are different, right? That's true, I guess. Like, Burnley on the same Burnley, right? Early season away to a newly promoted club is just never the, uh, the cakewalk that people expect it to be. I... If I could play the newly promoted clubs at the very end of the first half of the season and the very end of the second half of the season, I would. Ten times out of ten. Because <laughs> uh, they always fade away, but they'll come out of the yeah. gates hot, and yeah. Vincent Company is going to have them organized. So yeah. it's not um, a given there. Everton, I think, will be wanting to beat. That's no uh, surprise. But Sean Dyche is going to have them put up a stern test. They're going to play low block. Might be a good week to get those midfield assets in. Douglas Louise could be having a meal. Also, if you wanted to trade him, he could be having a meal these first couple weeks of the season. And then Newcastle, I think, is going to be a pretty even game after we saw the 3-0 and the 4-0 last yeah. season each way. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, it's not the easiest start. But then after that, we have a really good stretch after the Liverpool game. So if you're thinking about fading, guys, I would encourage you to hold out with your draft picks until after that second international break, if, if you will, because I think we could be looking at some mixed early returns here. Okay. All right. Uh, final segment. Uh, we're going to talk a bit more about fan tracks, but we're going to pick John's brain. Uh, John is a vet. Okay, um, he's got a lot of stripes, a lot of badges. Um, <laughs> he's been through some wars. 
Um, so let's get his advice or his experience, right? Uh, have you ever like uh, messed around with uh, trading draft picks before your season starts? No. So we don't. We don't. We. I'm in strict auction, which ah uh, yeah yeah you mentioned modifies the values yeah, yeah. of the players a little bit. But I mean, you can essentially think of it like draft picks, except. Erling Haaland went for I think seven hundred bucks last year on the thousand okay. dollar budget. So that one one pick is uh, way way more expensive if you want to take it. Yeah, uh, how much? How much did uh, the manager pay for him? Oh, seven hundred. Expect him. Se- how much? Seven hundred. Oh my god! Because people and I think they're right. People believe that they can basically build together a waiver wire lineup that's competitive behind the consistency of Holland. If you have someone scoring basically a goal with half a, another um, uh, goal interaction per week, you're looking at like basically a 16-point baseline where there's very few troughs and a couple hauls. And then they're like, okay, replacement-level defenders that are uh, have good matchups or are heading the ball well, I can get six to eight points out of. There's always midfielders that emerge to get six to eight points out of. And then you can just use the remaining 300 on a, like one or two more other premium players. Okay. Would you be down to do an auction pod? Oh, day? whenever. I love talking <laughs> about auction. It's my favorite thing. I, I, I manipulate the bidding. I yell at people. I tell people the bid. It's like the most fun night of my year. Oh, love that. <laughs> All right. Uh, in terms of trading with other managers, uh, do you do that? Um, yes. Uh, I think trading is, for the first 12 weeks of the season, trading is the most important part of the game other than the waiver wire. Interesting. So, like, how, what's your, like, I guess your logic behind trades like uh, do you focus on form do you focus on fixtures proven ability over the past few seasons like just or, get, or do you get premiums it? that's Pardon? the entire get premiums that's the get entire pre- strategy <laughs> the entire so last season like i was i mentioned a little earlier i i, I one of the managers started off oh and three and he had salah and i had like a bunch of moderately attractive assets i had coutinho who was starting at the time, Bailey, who was starting at the time and putting in some decent performances, Patrick Bamford, who I think got at least a goal in one of those first games or an assist, and uh, I traded another player who I forget was, but along those lines uh, for Salah, and it really sort of just set up my season because I knew I could get replacement value off the waiver wire for those guys. Okay. So... When I, just strike when the iron's hot on guys that are not premium for guys that are premium is the general strategy. I mean, um, actually calling who's going to be good is, of course, the hardest part of the game. So one of the guys that I traded for last year was Mount. And uh, I really liked Mount's fantasy profile every season. And then last year, the wheels just came off for him. Chelsea, sorry, Sanji. It's okay, man. Don't worry. But, uh, I, last season, football didn't exist for me. So. <laughs> but so you never know when something like that is going to happen. And to claim that you're able to predict it, you know, I'm, I'm not God. So just going for guys with track records in the right age range is, is the best thing you can do. Yeah, fair enough. So with this whole auction stuff, um, do you still, I guess, is that like the fab aspect to it then? Do you start with this $1,000 and then whatever you end up with is your fab budget for the rest of the season? Kind of. So we we have something that's called the Bonanza. Okay. <laughs> which is that every newly transferred in player goes to a reserve pool. And then after okay. the transfer window ends, people do a blind auction for the players who are newly transferred into the league. Okay. And then, they, so you have 100 uh, waiver wire bucks, and then whatever you don't spend in the bonanza is your waiver wire budget for the entire season. So okay. there's guys who bid 100 on you know a new signing coming into the league, 
And then, like, Isak, I think, was one of the hundreds um, this past year. And then they uh, just don't can't use waivers for the rest of the season except free. Wow. So, like, I'm playing Dynasty for the first time this season, and now it kind of makes sense why we have, like, a separate waiver wire window just for, like, new transfers and stuff like that. Like, it's a... I'm still getting yeah. used to all the different layers and rules and stuff like that, but... I mean, wow, what, Dynasty what, is crazy. You're in over yeah, your head here. Yeah, listen, mate. Oh, <laughs> you have no idea. Like, <laughs> yeah, we is, can do we can do a prospect pod if you want. I uh, I uh, watch a bunch of the youth football because I'm a psychopath and need something to occupy my evening. So, I mean, you you were the one that told me about Carnes, right? Carnes? Yeah, yeah, Ebola. Hey, hey this season, <laughs> if hey, if you if you had your dynasty league last season, you'd be a smart fellow, wouldn't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, I started one season too late, man. <laughs> so, I, I mean, if you had, like, any fab budget left remaining, like, how, how would you advise, you know, new managers or even talk to old managers about how, yeah. how do you budget for the rest of the season, like? Yeah, so, just in terms of, like, it's confusing because you want to use your waiver wire money as early as possible. Every single sort of study in any league or game theory simulation proves this, that when you're in an equilibrium and you have the opportunity to spend your resources earlier than your competitors, you have an advantage if you do that. So really, as soon as you feel like you have an advantage over someone else by getting a player from the waiver wire, I would encourage you to use it. Because then you can use that asset for trades. You can, it's, it's, it's an asset that hasn't lost the majority of its value yet. Whereas if you use it on someone in week 20, although a bunch of other managers might have used their waiver wire bucks already and you might get them cheaper than they should be, they only have 18 weeks of value left. Mm. And your league's trade deadline might be coming up and you might be in a playoff system, so they really only have 12 weeks of value left, et cetera, et cetera. So um, you... You really need to account for these diminishing returns of player value whenever you're doing any sort of transaction. Um, but then also, in terms of like the profiles of players to target, I think there's also the most value on the waiver wire early in the season because you get the players that are like the newly promoted players that are suddenly getting a ton of aerials because they've been moved to the center center back in a system. Uh, the guy from Forest. Last season, Niakate, who was oh, newly yeah, signed yeah. and got injured, yeah, but he, yeah, yeah. he was getting like nine ghost points a game in their first yeah. two games of the season or something, then got hurt. Those are the kind of guys that you want to look at and use your waiver wire money on, and then ideally flip them for a premium. Yeah. That's like if you're going Wolf of Wall Street mode, but they can also give you value too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, I mean, his replacement, Felipe, I want to say, right? Um, yeah. Like, I grabbed him, I think, one fab or two fab or something like that. Yeah. Like, smashed it for me for the rest of the season. Yeah, so, so use that fab. Yeah, yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, okay, in terms of, like, uh, best, worst trades in your career, um, I mean, you mentioned the Mount one. That sounded like one of the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, when I traded for Mount the season before that, and it was one of the best. So okay, I played so, Mount Roulette, and uh, I've, I've played Mount Roulette and won and lost. So uh, uh, Yeah, fair. Yeah. <laughs> I, and you got that Sala one done as well, right? So I think yeah. you touched on that brilliantly. Yeah, I, I don't think... He, <laughs> There's much more that you could say unless you have another... In one of our first seasons, I got like a yeah. five for one for Paul Pogba when he was playing for Manchester United. Oh, Jesus. That included Andy Carroll in the deal, and then I withdrew Andy Carroll because we had agreed to... An, it's it's lore in our league, but I agreed <laughs> it in the supermarket, and I was just like celebrating uh, in the supermarket. What, what, what aisle were you in? Uh, the produce. Almost had oh, to catch a knee yeah, slide by the mister. <laughs> <laughs> the wet grass of the supermarket. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, I think the final thing we, we got to ask you now, um, because like through your years of fan tracks and stuff like that, what's some lessons learned uh, over the previous seasons that you're maybe going to apply to this season? Um, and, you know, advice in general um, for new managers, old managers, just the community. Yeah. So... Um, I don't, I'm not going to share this with my league mates until our draft. So uh, <laughs> hopefully it's not out until then because... Um, what, when's your draft again? What date? Sunday night here. So, Sunday the 9th. 
Yeah. Oh, Sunday night, you said? Yeah, Sunday night. Okay, okay. If you want, I can time it. Like, No, it's fine. but so this year i'm going in with a different strategy i'm i think gonna go big on one of our premiums which i usually don't do i usually try and outsmart everybody and get like five two hundred players that are quality so sort of like the idea of trading your first round pick for four third round picks or something yeah yeah, the idea but this year, I think I'm going to go hard in on Bruno Fernandez. Yay, Just my first pick, buddy. Role definition. He was top of overthinking's war, even with Holland last year. And I think he's only going to be in like the 400 to 500 buck range in auction, which is very high, but it's, uh, you know, like 30% discount versus Holland or something. <laughs> uh, um, and. Then go in for another premium, maybe someone like James Madison, and uh, just build from there with waiver wire and sort of guys that I'm in on that I think my other league mates aren't in on. I've just seen this strategy time and time again be sort of like dominant in our league, and I think I need to stop trying to zig and start zagging with yeah. uh, with the people who have been successful in, in our league over these past couple of years. I haven't won, I think, in three years now. So uh, I'm due for, another, due for another title. I always place top half, but uh, yeah. I'm the, and I'm, a, I'm the only multiple-time winner still. So, you know, I got to back <laughs> myself here. But I'm feeling a change this year. At least then I get a, some better players to play with, you know. Yeah. Good man. Yeah, I I I hope you have a, a change of fortune this season. Um Thank you. listen, you're a very uh a man in the know, you know. Uh, you're well experienced as well. So I think you just um need a little bit of luck to fall your way as well because I think that is also key in any sort of championship, mm. right? Um yeah. you need a little bit of luck. So And uh I, I have a kid coming in uh hey, in a, in congratulations, like six, buddy. Six weeks. So congratulations. hopefully that'll be my good luck charm. Yeah, and yeah, I just yeah, have to play a little bit more uh, at work. It's <laughs> amazing, man! Congratulations! So happy Thank for you. you. Yeah, um, I'm stoked. So yeah, I, I mean, uh, any any other advice before we sign off for the community? You think that maybe people should apply to their seasons? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> honestly, I would just say, you know, follow, watch the games. Yeah. Look for the ghost actions yourselves. Yeah. And get players that you wind up liking, watching, and that you think provide something interesting because, you know, what's the point if you're just going to be yelling at your TV all the time? Yeah. Although that's fun too. Um, <laughs> a good balance, getting some exciting attacking players in, uh, I think, uh, is a lot of fun. And you might be trying to win your league, but there's no reason why you can't have fun too. So. <laughs> Love that message. That's a great way to to end the pod, man. All right, <laughs> listeners, thanks um, for tuning in for yet another episode of Inside Tracks. John, thank you so much for your time, your energy, your advice, everything that you provide, man. It's so it much. It was a value. pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, listen. I, I again. I I know. I said it last time, and I apologize for it. I'm gonna apologize on air as well. Sorry for not bringing you back on last season. We're definitely no need to apologize. We're cooking, man. We're cooking. <laughs> Just get me back on here whenever you know. I'll chat a little shit for for however long you want, and uh, we'll have a meal. I'll I'll get a bottle of wine. Yeah. yeah, now that Chelsea's gonna have a little bit better season this year, hopefully you might be in better spirits. Want to do some more uh, pods? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, we lost in Kunku to injury, right? So we got to see. Maybe um, uh, Karn's got some uh, minutes, maybe in his. Yeah, legs. I've been scouting Nicholas Jackson from Villarreal Yo. for a minute. He's a baller. I oh, wanted I- him when Emery came over. He's yeah. nasty. I-, I I got him as my fifth pick. So oh, listen, undervalued. Yeah, listen, I'm I, I'm basically doing what you said, right? Uh, it's like a mixture of I'm gonna go with what is proven, like they're winners, and we've seen how they win leagues. But at the same time, pick assets that I want to watch, right? That I yeah. enjoy the game with, right? So yeah, I think if you if you find that fine balance, you you're gonna have a great season regardless of what happens. So yeah, yeah. All right, sweet. Uh, listeners, thanks again, John. Thank you so much. Catch us on the next episode. I think we are recording. Which episode is it? 
Um, there's some club coming. Chelsea? It might be my club, actually. Oh, I should probably prepare for this. I might, yeah, and it's Friday, so I'm definitely going to be drinking. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. <laughs> All right, listeners, we'll Give catch you on the next one. Peace. Cheers. Bye.